0: Please join me in prayer. Spirit of the living God, who hovered over the waters at creation's birth, who descended in the form of a dove at Jesus' baptism, who was poured out under the signs of fire and wind at Pentecost, come to us. Open our hearts and minds so that we may hear the word of life and be renewed by your power. Amen. The scripture reading today is from Joshua. I'll be reading from the New International Version. This is Joshua 24, verses 14 through 18. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it for us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God."
1: may be seated. We're in a mini-sermon series that began last week, continues this week, and then concludes next week. Three, that wonderful number, that number that reflects the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Christian faith. And we're thinking, a great deal about the triune God on this day, this day where we recall and remember our baptism, that we are chosen and claimed by God in baptism. The scripture passage we are looking into and and gaining insight from in this series is one chapter of the bible from the old testament the final chapter in or near the end of the book of joshua joshua chapter 24. and this is one of the significant covenant renewal moments in the life of god's people israel in the old testament it's a moment for god's people to consider god's faithfulness and their response of faith. Following the lead of this scripture text, today we are patterning our service after the service of the reaffirmation of the baptismal covenant in the church. And it's appropriate for a day like this in the fact that it is Pledge Sunday, when we renew our commitment to give an offering to the Lord. It's on Sundays like this that we, that we say, and we are uh, bold to say it, that, that God calls us to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us, and our lives are overflowing with God's generous gifts in terms of relationship, food, shelter, uh, meaningful work, income, uh, the ability to put money in the bank for later and that someone just doesn't take it think about that. It's not something we share with everyone in the world, certainly with every believer who gives to the Lord. The sacrament of baptism reminds us that we are in a covenantal relationship with God, in which the Lord has been faithful to us and we are called to faithfully serve the Lord through the offering of our time and our talents and our treasure. This year's pledge card has been designed to to be expanded into multiple panels that allow us to consider the giving and the pledging of our serving God in addition to what we will give financially. The covenant renewal in Joshua 24 follows a particular form that we introduced last week, and let's review that really quickly. It's a three-part form that begins with acknowledging God's faithfulness. What God has done for God's people in the past. And that builds up into quite an epic resume. And so last week, we considered it recounting God's resume. That's what happens in Joshua 24. The first ten verses, Joshua recites all of the things that God did for God's people. And then we get to the second part. To consider our covenant obligation to serve in relation to alternatives that we might serve. And in Joshua's words, we are called to choose this day whom we will serve. And then finally, this is the focus of our sermon next week, is the formalizing of the commitment. The people who say we will serve the Lord have an opportunity for their individual commitment to matter to the larger group. Each household, each elder had the opportunity, and Joshua recorded their names in the covenant and set up stones to be markers of that day when God's people chose to serve God. Well, today we talk about this choice to serve. Choose this day whom you will serve, says Joshua. It's a good reminder right at the front of a discussion of choosing, and this would be our Presbyterian theology reminding us of this. To remember that we are are only in the place of choosing God because God has already chosen us. That is what the sacrament of baptism reminds us of, is that we are chosen of God. That we are affirmed and sealed into this community of faith of belonging to God. And so it's not like God's out there waiting for us to choose him by our own power and might and wisdom and then we earn our way into god's affections by that choice no it's a response to god's love to god's grace that's what our choice involves our faithful service is a response to god's faithfulness our generous giving is a response to god's generous giving into our lives Joshua 24:15. I'm going to read this in the New Revised Standard Version. These are Joshua's words. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A call to choose. this choice being spoken of here by joshua if there's one word to describe what this choice is i would vote for the word consequential consequential you know that word consequential is used in contrast to trivial you and i in the world today are called upon to make hundreds perhaps thousands of choices each and every day what to buy at the grocery store what clothing to wear how to spend the time that we have before us at the beginning of the day and that list goes on and on and it would take us a year just to fill out that list But in the midst of all of the choices that we have, some choices are more consequential than others, especially those that have to do with significant commitment of our time or our energy or our effort, and especially those that have to do with relationships. Joshua says, choose this day. Not only is the choice he is calling God's people to make consequential, but it is urgent. It is of the now. Don't put it off any longer. It's not choose whom you will serve and spend a good amount of time deciding. It just doesn't roll off the scripture pages like that. Choose this day whom you will serve." I want to bring up an illustration of, uh, that, that is a, okay, it's, it's from the electoral process in the United States, okay? But trust me, trust me, you're going to like this, you're going to like this. It's a, it really is truly a massively feel-good uh, thing. I do have to say, like, if you do have a problem with this, come to talk to me later because I'm really interested in why someone would have a problem with this. So let's talk about new citizens of the United States and how excited they get about the opportunity to vote. Right? Isn't it great? Recently, I had a conversation with someone relaying, not with the actual person But with with someone who knows someone who recently became a citizen of the United States from another country, and just how, now that they're a citizen, they were so excited to vote this year because they'd never had that opportunity to do that before. It's inspiring to see the fresh excitement to exercise their citizenship and choose their elected representatives. It's something that many have longed to do for years. And when they first get the opportunity to do it, they don't delay. They do it. And their excitement can remind those of us who have grown tired of our political process that it is remarkable that we have the opportunity, each of us, to weigh in on who is in political power over us. Now we take that concept into the church. Baptism is a mark of our citizenship in the church. Our citizenship, our place in God's kingdom, among God's people. And we need reminders of this. So that's what, how baptism kind of functions. Have you experienced that? You know, people who come to faith in Christ are like those new citizens in the kingdom. And they come forward and they, they share their testimony because they freshly come to faith in Christ, and our faith is renewed, it starts to gain value in our own eyes when we see it being reflected as something of great value in another person's testimony. Amen? Amen. And so opportunities like today to remember our baptism and be thankful are vital. Vital to rediscover the wonder and the passion of being incorporated into God's work in the world through the church, something that transcends nation, ethnic group, race, status, all of those things that divide human beings, God's church envelops all of us. It is truly inclusive, and baptism is the sign of that. And that baptism, those baptismal waters remind us that we belong to God and that everyone who comes through those waters also belongs to God. Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve. The command to serve shines brightly from this text. In fact, in the verses that we read today, the word for serve in Hebrew is is um, is written nine times that's just in these verses in joshua 24 there's more this is a chapter about serving the lord to serve if you look at it through this old testament lens is an act of the heart it is to be devoted to god but because our inner devotion can be vague to the point where it may in fact be meaningless or lose meaning. God gives us the opportunity to demonstrate it by outward actions. Yes, it is a matter matter of the heart, but God throughout his history with his chosen people has given people the opportunity to express that devotion to God in public, in an act of worship. In ancient Israel, to serve God meant to take part in public worship, in giving offerings and bringing offerings to be sacrificed in the temple. It also meant acts of obedience, that service meant devotion of the heart in the form of obedience and following the law of the Lord, putting it into practice. I think the best frame to be thinking of in this sermon is to think of the Ten Commandments that this is a way, living out those Ten Commandments, to love God and love neighbor, to live it out with a heart devotion. Well, we demonstrate our devotion in many ways, including our commitment to participate in weekly worship, worship with the church on the Lord's Day. That's what we're all doing, and those who are watching on livestream today. Just because we live stream our worship doesn't make worship less important. Mm -hmm. I just feel like I need to say that. Worship is really important in the Christian faith. And just because we, post-COVID, and also just recognizing how God might use technology, making it available for people who cannot be here or gather with their congregation and worship, is, is something that we want to do. It's part of our accommodation. It's part of God's love. It's part of including people in the covenant yes, in what we are doing. Mm-hmm. But it's not, just in case you hear a rumor of this, it's not something we're doing because, hey, guess what? We've discovered worship's not as important as it used to be. Did you hear that? You know, it used to be, you know, when I was a kid, they said that Christians needed to go to church on Sundays and worship the Lord. That's not true anymore, did you hear? Okay, I'll, I'll tone down my southern preaching style on that one. But I just wanted to make that point, that, that worship is still important. And we show this devotion also in our act of bringing an offering to the Lord in worship, giving a tithe or a tenth to the Lord in the midst of all of the choices of how to manage our money, from holding on to it for dear life or spending it like there's no tomorrow and everywhere in between. In his setup, to his main motivational message found in verse 14, Joshua gives us a lesson in the motivation and the goal of serving God. First, the motivation. In the NIV, this is how verse 14 begins. Now fear the Lord. Now fear the Lord. In the New Revised Standard Version, it begins, now therefore revere the Lord. And I think that, that translation decision was made intentionally, recognizing that, that we don't talk a lot about fearing the Lord or fearing God. And so different translations have different meanings or intentions for, and reasons for doing that. But the truth is the word fear and the word revere have something in common. They both talk about taking God with utter seriousness. Sometimes in the Old Testament, to fear the Lord means cowering as a human in the presence of God's overwhelming glory, power, and majesty. We can kind of envision God's given us the capacity of what it might be like if we were to see God face to face. Many people have, have brought this up when we talk sometimes in our songs, like, Lord, I want to see you face to face, We say that safely because when we think of God face-to-face, we're seeing it through the face of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But if we look at it from an Old Testament standpoint, that was something that could be very dangerous. And certainly, we learn something from that. Uh, Old Testament scholar Jerome Creech puts it this way, to fear the Lord is to recognize the magnitude of God's demands and not to approach God casually but reverently like a subject to a king. Reverent fear is a posture of the heart that leads to obedience and devotion. It's a prerequisite for service. Well, for all of the advances of modern society and how we have been liberated from those ancient things, and for many people, including their sense of the, the trappings of religion, It's remarkable how much we are still motivated and allow ourselves to be motivated by fear. In the church, we're often reticent to talk about the fear factor in relation to God, but we're quite comfortable with other authorities leveraging it in our lives. You're probably wondering, what are you talking about? Let me tell you. We recognized veterans. Veterans earlier so most veterans went through something at the beginning of their time of service that was something like basic training and there was someone like a drill sergeant or equivalent that's a fear factor but let's bring it into regular life how about how about the sports that we play How about the coach at tryouts or the coach at practice who says, if you don't do it this way, you won't get on the field? And how natural it is for us to just accept that and not really complain about it. What about your boss at your annual review? That fear factor. It's so much a part of our lives. And yet, whenever we talk about fear of God, oh, God would never treat us that way, right? We demand that God never demand anything of us while allowing other demands to dominate our lives. Recently, I was with our youth group, and we were discussing prayer concerns. And the theme of everyone's prayer, without exception, was their sense of the pressure of homework and their study to get good grades on exams so some of us it's been a long time since we've been around a middle schooler or a high schooler Uh, we have our own memories of that but i just wanted you to know that if you're wondering like where is this new generation going and who are they trust me the pressure to make the grade is going strong You know it from when you went through school, it's still something that is that passage of life. With God and our service to God, there's more at stake than not making the grade in these other pursuits. It matters more than we might think. The word gravitas is a word that means seriousness. While it's true, that because of Jesus, we no longer look at God primarily through the lens of fire and brimstone. Make no mistake. The gospel of grace does not reduce the gravity of God. Let me say that again. The gospel of grace does not reduce the gravity of God. Receiving grace, receiving forgiveness does not mean, it's not a free pass to ignore the God of the universe. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. It's to be in a covenant of people who with gravitas, with utter seriousness, are in awe of being chosen and being in a relationship with the living God. Okay, so first, the motivation, this fear and reverence of God. Next, the goal of service. In the NIV that we read today, Joshua is recorded as saying, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. In the NRSV and the ESV, it takes that all faithfulness and actually I think more faithfully shows the, the Hebrew scriptures behind it and uses two words, in sincerity and in faithfulness so the niv basically said well sincerity and faithfulness are about the same thing so we're just going to emphasize it in all faithfulness but but the the uh scholars who were a part of the the other translation said well they're they're a little bit different so we're gonna include both those words sincerity here means more than honesty and earnestness it means integrity it means living what we believe walking the talk congruence of the professed faith and the adopted lifestyle. If we say we serve God, then serving God in all sincerity and faithfulness means doing it. As professing Christians, our goal is to live out our beliefs and serve God faithfully and to do this in the midst of other choices and pressures. Some of those pressures come from the outside, the enticements of the world. I read recently that in the 1970s, It was kind of uh, a major shift in the world because of media. Human beings in the Western world started to be encountered by 500 advertisements a day. That's been updated and now the estimates are north of 5,000. You got to think. Social media just do the thinking and you'll say, oh yeah it adds up in a hurry. Buy, invest, dedicate, prioritize, serve. When's the last time one of these ads encouraged you to give to God? I'm encouraging you to give to God. Joshua's encouraging you to give to God. I just want to let you know that if you really do the math, it's not overbearing, is it? Compared to all the other invitations through advertising that fill our lives. So let's live into it today and in this series. Those ads call out to something inside us. They call out to our hearts where our wants and desires reside and our commitments are made. And once upon a time, Joshua spoke to the hearts of God's people and called forth their faithful service. And through the Holy Spirit, God is still speaking. And in conclusion, Joshua challenged God's people to faithful service and professed his commitment to the covenant. And the people responded, far be it from us to forsake the Lord, we too will serve the Lord. Remembering that they are held in a covenant relationship with a God who has been faithful to them, they step up and stand up with Joshua. What is our response? What is our covenant pledge? How will we serve? How will we give? The words of Joshua ring out among God's people. Choose this day whom you will serve. May we faithfully respond. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen.